0: Uh, This morning, just as we go to prayer, we have a a few things that um, I'd like to just bring to your attention. We've already talked about the Wilson family, and um, there's there's another situation going on that many of us probably don't know about, but is extremely important to us. Um, There's actually an EPC pastor, um, I just learned about this this week, Andrew Brunson, who's over in Turkey, and he's been falsely accused of espionage, and his trial starts tomorrow. And so, um, as part of the EPC body, the overall body of Christ, certainly, but as part of the EPC, um, you know, we want to be in prayer for him this week, um, that, that he would be released, uh, and that these false charges would be dropped. Um, and then, um, I also want to keep Pastor Dave in our prayers. And I learned this morning that, uh, Brian Dempsey, Bill Dempsey's son was hospitalized, uh, this weekend, um so I want to keep uh, all those needs uh, in our prayers this week. And uh, if you would, just bow with me now. We'll go to God together. Father, we, um, we, we come to you this morning, many of us um, uh, still grieving and still uh, thinking about uh, our brother Dave and how much he meant to us. Um, uh, Cheryl said it so perfectly, just the, the wonderful example uh, of your love that, that we saw through him and that we received through him, many of us. And um, Father, we just thank you so much for the time that, that we were able to spend with him. We thank you for the memories that we have. Um, and we thank you most of all, God, for what we learned about you uh, through our brother. Uh, we pray for his family. We pray for for Mary Ann and their boys and spouses and grandchildren and and siblings and, and all the all the people who are affected, God. And, and and we ask God that you would walk with them as you're walking with us, uh, His His church family, uh, through this time of grief and and mourning and. Uh, times, God, where we, we're, we're trying to understand, what we, but we don't quite understand, and um, we thank you, God, for the gentle way that you walk alongside us through uh, what we as humans have termed the grieving process, but uh, um, it's just this, this time where we, uh, where we try to cope with the fact that someone that we love um, isn't here physically with us anymore, but we rejoice, God, uh, in your promise and in, in your authority over life and death. Um, that we have an eternal promise that, that we will see our brother again, and um, and so we we rejoice uh, in that and and we praise you uh, for what you've done through Jesus. Um, Father, we pray for Pastor Dave this morning. We just pray that you would uh, continue to heal his body, um, that he he would continue to be ministered to through through just taking rest. And um, Father, we just pray that. Uh, uh, that you could prepare him for uh, the the ways he's going to be needed this week, um, Father. We pray for uh, for for Andrew over in uh, over in Turkey, just falsely accused of of this this thing that he did not do, and and we feel God is as part of this denomination uh, that that He is a part of us, and so uh, we have this this desire to see Him set free and to see these false charges dropped. And we know, God, that You are sovereign over courts of other nations. We know that You are sovereign over attorneys and, and, and false charges and all of those things. Um, we know that, God. But we, we intercede now on behalf of our brother that You would minister to him um, sitting in a, a foreign prison right now um, awaiting trial. Uh, God, we just pray for, for his family and just pray that your presence would be made known in that country through through this trial and through these false accusations that through Andrew that your presence might might be made known. And we pray this morning, God, for Brian Dempsey. We pray that you would continue to work through doctors and, and nurses and uh, that his his body might be healed and uh, we just pray that you would be with, with Bill and... Um, and the rest of their family, um, through this time, God that, that you might uh, get Brian home healthy and strengthen him and um, and continue to to work in his life. Father, we know that there are, are so many other needs uh going on uh that that we are often not aware of uh, or that we have forgotten about or uh, God, we just pray that you would, would be uh, so present in the lives of your children this morning, that those who are not here with us this morning for various reasons, that they might know your presence, that they might, uh, that they might know that there's a God who loves them. And um, Father, we pray most of all that you would continue to use us in whatever way we can be used to make this love of yours known uh, to the world. Um, we love you, God. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, children, if you would like to uh, go to a special time of worship that's been geared specifically toward you, uh, you can certainly do that now. And then um, we uh, we we are going to proceed with um, taking uh, our tithes, and we we view this here. If you've never been to Olivet or 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 This is your your first time at church. We we just simply view this as part of our worship of giving God back a a portion of what He's already given us. So um, uh, we will do that now. Just step away from uh, that particular mic. Is it going to keep doing it? Am I going to keep going? All right. The sweet spot. Cool. All right. That was beautiful. I heard about that before the service. And people said, oh, it's so beautiful. And Beth, of course, says, oh, it's, it's no big deal. Yeah. no, No big deal. No big deal. Just, you know, a wonderful new way to hear that song. Oh, if you uh, have your Bible, open it with me to Matthew chapter 28. If you don't have a Bible, there are red pew Bibles available. And uh, we're going to be visiting several scriptures this morning, so I would certainly encourage you to utilize those red pew Bibles if, if you if you would. And um, if you need to share with someone, uh, just snuggle up next to them and share, you know. teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now if you would, for our second passage, um, if you would uh, flip to page, it's, if you're in the Red Pew Bibles, it's 909. But Acts chapter 1, so go past the Gospels or Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and go to Acts. Acts chapter 1, and we'll start in verse 6. So when they had come together, the disciples, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. This is the very word of God. Thanks be to God. So, keep your finger in that Acts passage. I'm going to flip back to Matthew just for a minute. Jesus gives us several commands in, in this passage. Go, therefore, and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. It sort of looks like four commands, but it's really just one command. I guess you could maybe call it two. Go and make disciples. The second two, really, Jesus Jesus is essentially saying, go and make disciples of all nations by baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So today, we're going to... We dug into this a little bit last week, but this making disciples thing... uh, We talked about in Sunday school this morning. I think this is the most important commandment Jesus ever gave us because without this, the the body of Christ doesn't get strong. Without this, the body of Christ doesn't really grow. Uh, Without this... Uh, This message would have stayed with the followers of Jesus at that time and wouldn't have been, you know, if they didn't decide to follow this command, if they decided, no, this was just a really interesting time. We saw some really interesting things, but it's not really worth telling. Then this message stays with them and dies with them and we wouldn't be here now. So this is a really, really important command. And then Jesus gives us this this one assurance at the end, um, and I don't mean to diminish it because it's huge, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now we can certainly say that, that is that that was for those gentlemen and, and men and women at that time. uh that, that was for the the eleven disciples, um minus Judas. That that was for this group or that group, but I, I don't get that I don't get that sense when, when I read this passage. Um, but then over in the Acts passage, in Acts chapter 1, it's a very similar thing. Be my witnesses. So what do witnesses do? They, they testify. They testify to the things that they have seen and heard. So go and tell. Go and, and testify. And, and in the Acts passage, the going is, is fleshed out a little bit more. Go to Jerusalem, so your neighborhood, an area you're very familiar with, people you're, you may or may not be familiar with, but, but should be familiar with. Uh, to Judea, the, the surrounding area, still fairly familiar, probably people you don't know, but people who are, who are like you, And to Samaria, a place that you know you don't like, to a people you know you don't want to associate with, but go there too. And then to the ends of the earth. So now, then everywhere else. Everywhere else. Places you don't even know about. People you don't know about. So as we think about that in those terms um, today, it makes some of us kind of uh, quake a, a little bit to think about following that. And. You can imagine how how they might have felt as well. In fact, many of them, according to church history, many of them did not leave Jerusalem. Some did, but but many many of them never never made it out of of, of Jerusalem. Um, they they just kind of stayed there for for various reasons, uh, many of which were were good reasons. But he again gives us gives us one assurance. Through the Holy Spirit, we will receive power. You're not alone in this. This discipleship thing is extremely important. Extremely important. Because again, without discipleship, the body of Christ shrinks. The body of Christ does not strengthen unless we obey this command. But can we obey it? Can we bring ourselves to that point to obey it? And Jesus tells us, that I will be with you, and, and through the Holy Spirit you will receive power. And it's as if Jesus is saying, you can, you can do this. You can do this. And I would venture to say Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. So I think that we can do it but but let's let's unpack it a little more over the next three to four hours. Um, <clears throat> some of you were listening um, <laughs> and some and some left um, you know th- this is th- this is uh this is the thing that I, I find really n- neat about these passages. Is that how many of us, for years, pray, God? What is your will for my life? What is your will for my life? If I just knew what God's will for my life was, I've, this is—it's not a secret. This is God's will for your life. This right here is God's will for your life. We we interpret God's will for our life to 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 be things like where should I work or what should I do in in this given situation or. Should I do this with this person or those are all important things and we should go to God with those things. But God's will for your life as his child, as a follower of Christ, is to go and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that he has commanded you. That's God's will for your life. Now you may do other things day to day. I'm I'm an IT guy. I don't find a, a lot of room to dovetail Jesus in with. Hey, my computer's doing this thing, and it's been doing it for a week, and I just wish it would stop. And can you come over here now? You know, uh, but but yet I I have a lot of time FaceTime with people every day, every day. So it does dovetail. Excuse me. Jesus is saying in in everything that you do, and if, if we knew how to speak Greek and we were reading a Greek Bible, we'd get this part. But because we read an English Bible, we've already had some translation done for us, just by virtue of the language. In everything that you do, in your going, as you go, talk to people about me. Immerse them in community. Teach them what I have commanded you. Jesus told the disciples that the role of the Holy Spirit was to remind them of everything he had taught them. He does the same thing for us. There's a passage in Deuteronomy uh, that we read this morning in Sunday school uh, called the Shema uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Jews use this, and, and still use this, as this unifying verse that brings them together as a people. This is what we believe. You know, we, we have the same thing in, uh, we honestly, we could have the same thing in the Shema as, as they do. We, uh, our, our <laughs> the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's the same for us. But but we find that same thing in the Lord's Prayer. We find the same thing in things like the Apostles' Creed um, and, and various other creeds. It brings us together, it unifies us as a people. So that's what the Shema did for them. And, and in the following verses, after the Shema, it talks about, you know, um, it, it talks about things like putting Scripture in your heart and writing it on your doorposts and and. and Making it you know in the in the center of your eyes and and on your hands and uh, teaching your children and all of these practical ways to be a disciple of Christ. this is all the way back in deuteronomy, so it's not like God gives us this okay, go and make disciples and baptize them and and teach them and and i'll be with you there's also all through god's word there's all these practical Examples of here's how you do this. He doesn't just leave us with a concept and then, uh, and then we get to search for the instruction manual. We have the instruction manual. <coughs> Excuse me. It, if, you, if you come to worship asking God, <coughs> why am I here? This is why you're here. Is to go and, and make disciples. If you come to that place where, where you recognize the authority of Jesus over your life, where you recognize what he's done for you, um, that's why, that, that, that's God's will. So both of these passages tell us to go and tell others about Jesus, um, but I, I want to talk about just briefly because I don't think I can talk about this without talking about the state of the body of Christ in the United States. I, I don't. I don't think I can just ignore that. Um, you know, church congregations are shrinking. Churches are are closing their doors. There's you know there's less of an urgency to attend church. It's you know this, this sort of a once a month, twice a month thing, um, and you know, it used to be, uh, we were talking I think on Wednesday night, uh, and we've talked several times on Wednesday night in Bible study here, uh, that even in Evansville, I can, I can remember being young, and yeah. places didn't open until after church was over, and they closed early, because a lot of people had, had, had uh, stuff in the evening, and Sunday was, even among businesses, was held to be uh, a a set apart day. Many businesses were not open, um, and, and people went to church on Sunday because that's what you did. You went to church on Sunday, but we're not there anymore. That's not the that's not the mentality. Even in our in in sort of conservative Southern Indiana, that's that's not the mentality. Uh, and this idea that has invaded the body of Christ that we all really believe the same thing but it doesn't really matter what you believe we're, we're all re- we all really believe the same thing and it and that's okay so that when you tell someone that Jesus is absolutely the only way to God um, it's become this offensive thing. That's the state of much of the body of Christ in, in America. And I've got to believe that part of that is due in part to the fact that, we're, that this, this command to go and make disciples is maybe not being fully lived out as much as we might want it to be. And so we have to spend some time asking ourselves, what am I doing? Am I, am I doing this? And, then, and how am I doing it? And if I'm not, how might I go do it? What, what would it look like? Who are, who are the groups that I'm a part of? This, this making disciples of all nations, that's people groups. That's not nations, political nations. That's people groups. So many of us in here travel in so many different people groups a week. There there are those of you that that will reach people groups in this city, in this community, that I'll never reach because I'm simply not a part of them. And the same for me. So how would the body of Christ look differently if we were living out this command? If we were going and teaching others what we know about Jesus. If we were going and talking to others about what we know about Jesus. And some of us think of that as evangelism. But I think there's a a little bit of a difference between evangelism. Uh, Billy Graham passed recently. and that's, That's what many of us think about when we think of an evangelist. There's a big difference between that and just sitting with one or two people and talking to them about your relationship with Christ. That, I think, is where discipleship happens. Because we're all discipling someone to something. You probably heard that. There's always someone watching. Um there's there's never uh there's never a time when we're not thinking about how are we representing Christ in this situation. There there's there's never a time where we can just let it all go. I I, I talked uh in Wednesday in Wednesday night Bible study this week, my my son is, um, is very hyper, and uh, so he gets frustrated because there's never a time when he can just let loose. And because, you know, if, if we did let him let loose, there would immediately be tears and, uh, you know, maybe fire, I don't know. Um, <coughs> but he, he gets frustrated that he says, there's just never a time when I can be myself. What he means is there's never a time where I don't have to practice self-control. I, I sympathize, but there's never a time. If we've come to that point in our life where we recognize the authority of Christ, there's never a time where we're not thinking about how we're representing him. In our homes, at our workplaces, at McDonald's, at the grocery store. It's constantly on our minds, or should be, or should be. And so how are we representing Christ if we're not going and making disciples? If we're not spreading this message to other people, how are we representing Christ? Because there's always someone looking at us and and using our example to gauge their own actions. And many times we don't even realize it. It is through us representing Christ well, through us being willing to go and teach others that the body of Christ becomes strengthened. And it needs strengthening badly. I, in the last five years, we'll say, there's just this huge push toward discipleship. And a lot of modern churches, a lot of modern church movements conferences, you know, conferences for, for pastors and youth pastors and Christians. There's this huge push toward discipleship. Um, and, and about five years ago or so, it, was, it became like this buzzword. All these new books were coming out about discipleship and how to disciple. And, but it's not new. It, it was given to us 2,000 years ago. Um, but we somewhere along the way, we, we forgot about it, many of us, myself included. So, we may be we may think to ourselves, I can't teach someone else about Jesus. I can't teach someone else to be like Jesus. And some of us may, may have that thing in our head that says, I'm I'm not perfect. I'm not acting like Jesus myself. So how am I going to teach someone else to, to be like Jesus? And it's possible that maybe maybe you do need to walk Maybe you do need to walk alongside someone else and and learn more about Jesus for a season and learn more about about God's word for, for a season. That's totally doable. And I and I would willing to I'd be willing to bet there's someone in your life right now who'd be willing to do that for you and with you. But here's the thing, is you're never going to have it all together. <laughs> you won't be perfect until you're perfected as our brother Dave is now when you stand before the Lord. That You're not ever going to have it all together. So, you know, it's like the tomorrow diet, uh, which I'm very familiar with. Um, I'll just start it tomorrow. And so we think, well, I'll I'll do that, but I can't do that until I get my own self together. But your own self is never going to be fully together. It's never going to be together enough that you feel like you can take that step. So don't don't wait for that before following this command invite someone else to walk alongside you and work this thing out together disciple making is is not dependent on our gifts it's not dependent on on our abilities it's not dependent on anything that we can do other than going and and talking with with folks which which I think we're we're all capable of doing It's dependent 100% on the Holy Spirit. It's completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. It's desperate for the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit's interaction, it doesn't happen. And to me, that's an encouragement that takes a huge load of pressure off of my shoulders because it's not up to me to force anything. It's not up to me to do any specific thing but simply talk about what I know witness of Christ. What I know from my own life about Christ. I don't I don't have to feel a pressure to know everything. I'm simply having conversations with others. Walking through God's word together, walking on our journey, our spiritual journey to God together, uh, struggling through things together. Discipleship is nothing more than inviting someone else into your life for the sole intent and purpose of learning to be more like Christ together. Together. You notice in God's word, everything seems to happen in the context of relationships. Everything seems to happen in the context of community. Discipleship is 100% right there. It happens in the context of conversation with other people. It doesn't happen by yourself. And Christ, again, has promised to be with us through the entire process. So, the next thought that comes to mind for many of us is, I don't even know if I were going to do this, I don't even know who I would do it with. So let's, let's talk about that there. There are two questions. And if you're, if you're using the notes page in the bulletin, I apologize for not having time to get notes down this week. But if you're using the notes page, there's two questions. Who are you talking to about God? Who am I talking to about God? And who am I talking to God about? Those are the two questions. And they can be interchanged. You know, Pastor Davis said many times, it's hard to talk to someone about God unless you've talked to God about them. Unless you're praying for someone, it, it is sometimes difficult to go and, and share Christ with them. But as you, as you pray for them, you begin to feel a, a, a compassion and a closeness. And it's easier to then go and talk about your faith with those people. So who are you talking to God about and who are you talking to about God? So we'll deal with the first question. Who are you talking to God about? <coughs> um, if you still have your Bibles open, then uh, hopefully you do. Uh, turn with me to Luke chapter six. So if you're still open to that Matthew passage or Acts or one, just if you're open to Matthew, go forward. In the Red Pew Bible, it's page eight sixty-two. Luke chapter six. Mm, we'll go down to verse twelve. Says in these days, he Jesus went out to the mountain to pray, and all night Jesus continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles. He went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. That's how important it was to Jesus to know who he was supposed to share this with, who he was supposed to pour himself into, who he was supposed to teach. Jesus stayed up all night praying. I'm certainly not telling you to go up and stay up all night tonight praying. My point is, you start with prayer. Jesus started with prayer. Why wouldn't we start with prayer? You start with prayer. Who has God put on your heart? Who are you in daily life with, day in and day out, that God continues to put on your heart that that you need to have a conversation with about Jesus? Jesus. Not a turn or burn conversation. But just to talk to them about who Jesus is to you. We start with prayer. Who are you talking to God about regularly? Who's on your heart all the time? Are you talking to God? Are you talking to God about anyone? Do you you find yourself... Saying things like, I don't remember the last time I prayed. Or, wow, it's been, I think the last time I prayed was, was a week ago. You know, we, we do that. We, things get so busy. Whatever stage of life we're in, things get so busy. They get so hectic. And, and prayer seems to be one of those things that just falls through the cracks for some of us. And I get that. I totally get that. But <clears throat> prayer is so important to our lives as followers of Christ. It's so important because of things like this. It's where we start for so many decisions that we make, for so many situations we find ourselves in. It's where we start for situations this week uh, with with our brother Dave passing. That is so hard for so many of us. Prayer is the first place that we go. It's it's everything. It's how we communicate with God. So we start with prayer. And, you know, we start with the understanding that the goal is to have a relationship with someone, to talk to them about Christ, and for that relationship to be passed on to others. There's there there is a, a, a culture in in church, and I'm not, certainly not dissing it, there's a culture that, you know, if we can get this many people to come down the aisle at the end of the service and pray a prayer or sign a card, or, and that's, that's fine. That's fine. But that's a, a addition. You're adding people. When I think of discipleship, I think of multiplication because in relationship, through teaching people about Christ, and then they in turn teach others about Christ, the body of Christ is made strong. And through the through through getting someone to pray a prayer or sign a card, and then that's it, and we hope they do well, I don't see that same amount of strengthening happening there. And again, I'm trying to be very careful because I don't want to tread on that. I, I really don't. Um, and that's a conversation if, that I'm willing to have with you offline if you want. But I'm, I'm not trying to tread on that. I'm not trying to be judgmental of that at all. Um, I simply think that discipleship is the way it was intended to be. To talk to people about Jesus in relationship. You pray for one another. You pray together for the people that you're going to pass this on to. And if if you find yourself going, okay, you say to start with prayer to figure out who I'm supposed to do this with, but I'm not praying all that much or I'm not really sure how to pray that prayer, then start today. Come, come down after the service and let's talk about it. But, but don't leave and go, ah, I can't do that. Don't do that. Please don't do that. This is so critical. So the second question, who are you talking to about God? <coughs> I shared in Sunday school this morning, you know, I would much rather do this than go to work tomorrow and talk to somebody about God. I really would. I'd much rather do this. is much easier than that. Because, you know, here, if I say the wrong thing or I do the wrong thing, you guys will chase me out with torches and pitchforks and that's fine. At work, I'm, you know, I'm risking, uh, I'm I'm risking a relationship that I see these folks day in and day out. It, it's not that it's any easier or harder. I make jokes, but it, but it feels harder, doesn't it? It feels harder to risk those relationships. You know, I love this person. I don't. What if I say something and I alienate them? Well, that's the thing, though. This whole process is rooted in this reckless love of God. This love that fights for us, that hunts us down, that sent his son to bring us back. This whole process is rooted in that. And so I don't think there is any deeper love for someone than being willing to talk with Christ about them. In fact, I think if we're, will, if we're not willing to talk to Christ, to talk to someone about Christ, <clears throat> then our love isn't as deep as we think it is. And I've come to that realization, I can't tell you how many times, of someone that I know God has put on my heart to share Christ with. Or to talk, they may already be a Christian, and I just and I'm I just want to, I'm supposed to have that conversation about the fact that I believe in Christ too, and and, and let's talk about that. And I don't. I talk about anything and everything else time after time after time after time. I've been there I don't know how many times now with various people. It's this intimate relationship and that's that's the thing that that scares a lot of us, especially especially guys. Because the, the thought of being intimate with someone and inviting someone in and letting someone see the mess, especially for men, is, is rather uncomfortable. Not that it's not uncomfortable for women too, um, but men tend to be less emotional. So it's, it seems to be more uncomfortable for us. But because this whole process is rooted in this deep love, and in this intimacy, that means it's not going to be easy. That means there's, there's imminent potential for getting hurt. And that's okay. It is okay to get hurt. I'm going to use a terrible example that doesn't even come close to comparing to this, but I still remember when my son was learning to to ride a bike on two wheels. Now I knew, I knew as soon as we took the training wheels off, I knew that boy was going to get hurt. I knew there was going to be blood. I just knew it. But I still took them off. I still, I still allowed him to go through that because I knew what was on the other side of it. Don't, don't be afraid of someone hurting your feelings because the, that is going to happen. Human beings will fail you. But the important part is that if this is done rooted in, in the love of Christ, then there's forgiveness to be had abundantly, and it's okay. It's not, it's not this task-driven thing. It's not about notches in your belt. It's not about numbers. It's not about how many people you've discipled, how many people you're discipling. It's not about any of that. It's about intimate relationship. The disciple maker is thinking daily and, and about how they're praying for the person, um, they're in a discipleship relationship with, uh, how they're serving that person. And, and that self-inventory is at the heart of a disciple-maker. But we have a tendency to be individualistic, to, to take care of me, right? And our culture celebrates that. Our culture celebrates, more than ever, individualism. That, to, to be on your own. Don't make commitment, um, you know, even, even in church culture, a lot, of, a lot of churches are dropping the idea of church membership because folks don't want to commit. If I want to go somewhere else, I want to be able to go somewhere else. I don't want to have a commitment to this, to these people. I want to be able to go where I want to go, where, I, where I'm being fed. I get that on one side and on the other side, it isn't all about us. It isn't all about us. The body of Christ is certainly not about us. It's about Christ. So discipleship is done in the context of church so that this relationship can be supported by a body of believers. So there's not this pressure on you to be all things to someone else. But you have a body of believers around you supporting you and lifting you both up. Or if you choose to do it in, a, like we do here, a lot of times in a triad, uh, to lift all three of you up. There's this section in the bulletin the last several weeks that you may have noticed, asking what are you going to do with this? Who who are you gonna who are you gonna tell this to? And when are you going to do that? It's not in there this week, but you can imagine that you can imagine that it is, and write it down anyway. <coughs> But that's not in there just for fun. It's not in there just to change things up. That's in there because we want you to really be thinking about, we want you to be listening to reproduce the Word. Don't listen to the sermon just to get through the church service because you want to be at church. Don't listen to the sermon just, just, to, get, just to get to lunch. Listen to the Word to reproduce the Word. Think about it, who am I going to tell this to? Who does God want me to tell this to? Who is on my heart? It it's so 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 important to reproduce this. Otherwise, it's a waste. It's a waste if it doesn't get reproduced. So I mean, he, even now. We should be thinking about who, who are we going to tell this to? Who, who is this person or people that, I, that I'm in a relationship with that I, I need to talk to about Christ? Because if we're surrendered to the authority of Jesus, we, we have to do this. It's, it's critical. Because these people are in our life now. And we're meant to be doing this with them now. And it—I know I keep saying this—it's so critical that we find who they are, and and that we we're obedient to this. The the Great Commission doesn't mean go to church. It doesn't mean be at church on Wednesday nights. It doesn't mean bring somebody else to church. It doesn't mean be nice to people at the grocery store. Those are all wonderful things, and those are all part of living a Christian life, but the Great Commission means go and be in intimate relationship with people and and baptize them physically, physically baptized so that they become one with Christ in baptism, but then also baptize them in community so that they become one with Christ's body and teach them. That's what the Great Commission means. It, we've We've taken the word discipleship and made it mean so many things that it doesn't mean so that it it isn't as hard. It isn't as hard, but discipleship is hard. It's difficult, but it's really good. It's really, really good. The Great Commission is about people. It's about us. It's about those that we are meant to be an intentional community with and <coughs> I talked in Sunday school this morning that you know, God, God had this whole thing rigged from the start because as you teach others, you learn more. It's this weird thing that happens. that you, you can sit here and listen week after week after week, and that's good. But as you talk to others and as you teach it, you start to learn more than you did when you listened to it. It's this phenomenon that happens. And I fully believe that we're created that way because we were intended to be disciple makers. So are we going to the ends of the earth to proclaim God's goodness? Are we even going to the end of our street? Are we even going next door? That's the hard question. And I'm sorry to ask hard questions this morning, but we've got to ask hard questions. Folks, churches are closing. We've got to ask hard questions. We've got to be jealous for the body of Christ. We've got to be jealous for our own church body. We've got to be jealous for the global church body. Where are we going? Where are we teaching? How badly do we want God to move? How badly? Because when I read Acts, I see Christians speaking about God with this boldness. This boldness. And discipling others with boldness. All through the New Testament, Paul talks about, when Paul writes Philippians, it starts with, it's a letter from Paul and Timothy. Who he's in this relationship with. Amazing things were done in the context of discipleship. Can that be said of us? Can that be said of us? Sometimes we don't share our faith because we prejudge what someone else is already going to think of us. And they're just going to see me as just another Christian. Or they don't want to hear what I have to say. Or I won't know the answer to their questions. Or any number of other reasons that we talk ourselves out of doing it. But Christ is with us. And we have the Holy Spirit. And we have this power. And so, what are we afraid of? I'm going to turn to 2 Corinthians real quick. Just in in closing here. 2nd Corinthians chapter 4. I'm in 1st Corinthians. There we go. Chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. We have this treasure. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ in broken containers, in broken people, so that no one might be fooled into thinking that we did anything, but that they might know that it was Christ who did all of it. Because there's nobody in here who's not broken. None of us. None of us. None of us have gotten, <clears throat> have gotten very far in life without being crushed. And yet we have this treasure despite that. So that God might be glorified. Last week, Dave, Dave said Jesus did not entrust his kingdom to powerful rulers and leaders. He entrusted it to these broken vessels in which he implanted the gospel. That's amazing. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me that Jesus would ever think that I, I am worthy to carry the gospel. It's amazing. And how badly do we want to be like him? How badly. You know, we, when we when we think of our brother Dave, we think of many of us think of all the different ways that that we saw Christ displayed through him, and how amazing that was to watch. How badly do we want to be like Jesus? And share the treasure. Share the treasure you've been given. I can't underscore it enough. Have a conversation with somebody this week. Talk to someone this week about Christ. Worship to you can come on up. If you pray with me. God, we thank you for this gospel. We thank You for this good news. And most of all, God, we thank You that it's not just good news that we cling to to make ourselves feel better, but it's, it's true. It's true. When we read the book of Acts, we see this group of people that saw the risen Christ and they, they went, oh my gosh. The last three years were all real. It was all real. It was all true. And they were never the same. The vision of Peter that we see in the Gospels is wholly and completely different than the vision of Peter we see in Acts. Not that he didn't still mess up, but he was bold. There was no more denial. He was bold in proclaiming Christ because it was all real. It was all true. And I know, I know that there are people in our lives today that, that don't know if it's true. Or maybe knew that it was true once, but something happened and it discouraged them. They were crushed. They were broken. And they simply are waiting for us to come alongside and walk with them and, and read your word with them and and to struggle through this life together with the intent of becoming more like Jesus. We love you, God. We. We, we thank you for allowing us to take part in some small way in building your kingdom here and putting your family back together, God. We love you, Lord. We thank you so much for Jesus, So we pray this in his name. Amen.